Psalm chapter 16. Psalms chapter 16. <clears throat> but since this is kind of a, you know, we're having a graduation party for Ryan Welch after the service, I thought I'd bring a message sort of along that line. <clears throat> but, and I preached this a couple years ago, and I debated whether to do it again. And, you know, I thought about what Bob Jones Sr. said. He said, if you preach the same message because you're too lazy to study, shame on you. But if you don't preach the same message because you're afraid what people think, then shame on you also. So I decided to preach it anyway. Psalm 16, verse 7, it says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence of fullness of joy, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Talking about vision in that first song we sang, verse 11, thou wilt show me the path of life, there it is. Of course that's through the word of God. Anyway, tonight... The royal path of life, let's pray and then we'll look. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word and the opportunity we have and the privilege we have to open your precious word. Father, we thank you for Ryan, his testimony, and this uh, milestone in his life. We pray your blessing upon him. And I pray for everyone here tonight, this message is not just for him, but it's for each of us. All of us have decisions we make every day. And Father, I pray you should help us to seek to follow your leading your commandments, your law, your testimonies, your statutes, principles of the word of God, that we might have a life that's glorifying and honoring to our Lord in Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I think about graduation, you know, graduation is a, you might say, a complete course of study or might say a new phase in life. You might look at it as entering a new era of life, time of new opportunities, decisions, and choices. But you know, we make those every day, whether you're graduating from something or not. We make choices every day. So this applies to all of us. But as you think of specifically of graduates, there's going to be choices of greater opportunities. And here's the big one, greater responsibilities. We live in a day of irresponsibility. You know, we, we have people destroying our cities and don't want to take responsibility for it. We have politicians want to hand out money, hand out money and not be responsible for where it goes or how it's going to be taken care of, how the needs are going to be met. Irresponsible. Uh, you know, everyone desires a joyful life, a life of gladness and fulfilling their dreams and all, so on and so forth. But they don't give serious consideration of the consequences of our choices. Uh, in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4, as the children of Israel were about to enter uh, the the promised land, 
and well, they were they were uh, uh, passing over, getting ready to pass over the uh, Jordan River, and uh, the Lord instructed Joshua in verse four. He says, "Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure." That's the ark he's referring to. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. So there was going to be, this was a new era in the life of the children of Israel. They had been 430 years in Egypt as slaves, and now they're about to enter the promised land. And one of the things that's going to change when they enter that land is the manna is going to cease. Now, Every day in the wilderness, God rained them bread from heaven, and all they had to do was go out and pick it up. And they could eat it. Every day they had sustenance provided for them. Of course, they were in a desert place. But now, they're going to have to assume the responsibility of following the command of God and providing for themselves. That's, Ryan, welcome to adult life. Yeah, we're supposed to, we're supposed to uh, eat our bread in the sweat of our face. And so, you know, these are some changes and, and these choices we have to make every day. Uh, and we need to make choices that are pleasing and honoring to the Lord if we want to have a good and life that glorifies and honors the Lord. So, so think about this. I titled it The Royal Path of Life. So if you're going to enjoy this royal path, as I call it, you've got to consider the, the, the consideration of this path. If you notice in verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. So you have to seek the counsel of the Lord. The word counsel means to consult, to provide for. Your businesses hire consultants to provide counsel for their business. You know, to come up, to have a business plan or a business model for the greatest success. And God's telling us here that we need to seek His counsel if we want the greatest success as a child of God. If we want to have a successful Christian life. We have to make the Word of God our counselor. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, Solomon says, under inspiration, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom and justice and judgment and equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of their wise and their dark sayings. You see, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. In other words, he'll, he'll take heed and he'll listen to counsel. There's a lot of people today that got their mind made up and they don't want to be confused with the facts. You can give them the facts and it can be staring them in the face and they don't care. Because they don't want to be responsible for their actions. They want to be able to do whatever they want to do without any consequences. You see, the words, we need to make the word of God our counselor. 
You know, Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, they're life-giving. They're life-giving. They have a power to transform and change your life for the good. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the word of God investigates our very thought processes. It searches our hearts, our attitudes, our motives, our intentions. It reveals them for what they are. It's like I told somebody yesterday. And the Word of God really doesn't care that much about your feelings. It's factual. Now, God cares. You know, He 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 cares. You know, He suffered the the, the He was tempted at all points like as we are, and and you know, and He understands our infirmities and our feelings. But facts don't care about feelings. They are facts. They don't change. You know, the Word of God. You know, I have feelings, whether you believe it or not. I do have some feelings, but God's no respecter of my feelings. Truth is truth. And, of course, this counsel of God's Word comes through His churches. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25 Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, the Bible says this, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We're to hold fast our profession without wavering. You know, when people start forsaking church, their faith begins to waver. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. I've seen young people and they quit coming to church. And sometimes it's unbelievable where they go in the world. See, some have a, some have a take it or leave it attitude about the Lord's church. But that is where we receive and learn of the Lord's counsel. Some think they can teach themselves. But Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch had the scriptures. Why then did he need Philip? And he was an educated man. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except some man should guide me? 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says, Despise not prophesying. That word means preaching. See, the preaching and teaching of God's word is vital to your walk with the Lord, to your success in life. After all, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's to teach the whole counsel of God. A pillar is a support, and the ground speaks of the basis. You see, it's at the it's at the, the Lord's church where we're to hear the, determine the interpretation and the application of truth. And it isn't just a pastor. Now, yeah, the pastor's the leader, 
But you know, I have, I have to be careful what I say. Because if I don't, if I don't give you the truth, there's there's some men out there who will come and ask me about it. Now you say they would question what you say. Yeah, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Do you know what it does? It it challenges me to search the scriptures to come to a right interpretation of the scriptures. In fact, Paul said of the Bereans, they were more noble than them that Thessalonica, and they searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now, you ought not to be questioning your preacher about everything, criticizing. But if your preacher says something that doesn't sound doctrinally correct, you have every right to say, Preacher, what about this? It keeps you a church straight. You see, the Bible teaches us God's counsel. It speaks of to every issue you face in life, earning a living. You know, Genesis 3.19 says, In the sweat of the face thou shalt eat bread. Of course, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, If any man will not work, neither should he eat. There'd be a lot of hungry people in America if we put that into practice, wouldn't it? I'd be in favor of it. It tells us how we can get along with people, what to avoid in life, drinking, and immorality, and sins. It, it, it speaks of marriage, how to train children, and the purpose of marriage, all these things. Psalm thirty-three, eleven says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his hearts to all generations. And you can be assured of one thing, that what the Word of God says on any subject is right. It's it's humorous and it's encouraging to me that every once in a while science comes along with something they figured out when the Bible told us what it already was. I remember reading several years ago about you know the medical field determining that the baby in the womb and it is a baby could hear. Yeah, I could have told you that. Because John the Baptist leaped in the womb of Elizabeth when he heard Mary's voice. They can hear. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many devices in man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So there needs to be a seeking of the counsel of the Lord. Secondly, Strive to obey his commands. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. The word set here means to put in place. It speaks of a decisive choice or to determine. And he says, I set the Lord at my right hand. Now, the right hand speaks of uh, the same as to aid or a place of special honor. You know, to stand at the right hand of a king would be a place of special honor. Remember, James and John asked, uh, uh, his mother asked if they, if his, if her sons could be at the one at the right hand, the other at the left. In other words, they wanted this honorable position in the kingdom. It's a place of authority. And he says, I have set the Lord always before me. I'm going to set him right here. He is my aid. He is my counselor. 
He's the one I'm going to trust in. He's my authority. That's what it speaks of. And you and I have to make determined choices every day that we're going to make the Lord Lord in our life. You know, Jesus said, you call me Master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. He also said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You see, that's a determined choice that we're going to obey him first and foremost. Matthew 6, 33, but, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, when you get out there in the world and you, and you, and you face situations in the world, and we're going to see this more and more, you're going to be tried, you're going to be tested. After all, the world is at enmity against God. And if you're going to live for God, they're going to be against you. You have an adversary. The devil is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And and Peter, under inspiration again, instructs us, commands us to be sober and vigilant because we have that adversary. Young people are often faced with, with this right off the bat. Working on the Lord's Day. You know, that didn't used to be a problem in our country. Didn't used to be. And so they're encouraged to forsake the assembly. But isn't that really like despising, prophesying? By working when there's preaching, are you not saying that my job, making money, is of more value than the counsel of God. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. See, we have to make a decisive choice who we are going to serve. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua told the children of Israel, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Daniel was a man that lived and died in captivity, taken into captivity as a young man, served through I don't know, four or five different transition of heathen kings and served in government all his life. Sometimes I wonder, how in the world did he do that? But this is what's said of Daniel very early on, that he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You see, Daniel made a choice right immediately that he was not going to defile himself before God. Or any king. You know what he was doing? He was making Lord, the Lord of his life, the king was second. Even if it cost him his life. It wasn't required that he lived. It was required that he obeyed God.
And you know, three times the Bible says of Daniel that he was highly favored. Did you ever wonder why? Oh, he was tried. We all know the story of Daniel's life. He was tried. I want you to notice the second thing, the condition of the royal path of life. We see the condition here. First of all, there's stability. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. It means to not trotter, tremble, to go with faltering steps as if from extreme weakness. You see, when we follow the counts of the Lord, we can have confidence and assurance. It kind of reminds me of the, the old preacher, missionary that Andrew's dad was telling me about when they were home last time. He said this guy retired from the mission field and he moved back to the States and he started a church. And he had this car. And one day he was in Walmart and he got out, drove into Walmart, he got out of his car. And this guy comes up to him, pulls a gun on him, and says, Give me your keys to your car, old man. And he said, I'm sorry, sir, but this is not my car. This is the Lord's car. The Lord gave me this car. I, I can't give it to you. He said, You don't understand, old man. Give me the keys to your car. He said, Well, I'm sorry. And he told him, and he started to witness to him. And the guy was getting kind of irritated, and he said, I'm sorry, it's not my car. The Lord gave me this car. I, I can't give it to you. It's the Lord's car. And he gave him a track, and then he said, uh, he said, uh, can I give you a hug to the guy with the gun? Finally, the guy with the gun stuck his gun back in his pocket and said, just forget it. Walked away. You see, he faced his enemy. He was not moved. By the threat. Now, I'm not sure what I'd do in that situation, but the man had courage. Courage given to him by God. In 2 Chronicles 17, verses 3 to 5, says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah brought Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honor in abundance. Now, just because you seek the Lord doesn't mean you're going to have riches and abundance like Jehoshaphat did. But I want you to notice some one thing. It says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he walked in the ways of his father David and sought not after Balaam. He sought the Lord God of his fathers. He walked in his commandments. Jehoshaphat set men in the cities of Israel to teach the commandments of God to the people of Israel. He was a man that sought the Lord, sought his counsel, and his kingdom was greatly established. And prospered. Why? Because the Lord established his kingdom. The reason so many people are so led, easily led astray into sin and self-destruction and succumb to pressure of peers is they lack an authority beyond themselves. 
If you're your own authority, your authority is subject to change. You say, I don't change. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the same thing you did five years ago? And if every one of us were honest and searched our hearts, we'd have to say, no. Because we're not we're not perfect, but God doesn't change. And if you're following the authority of the Word of God, it will never change. There's stability there. There's stability there. I'm convinced that the reason some people are so easily offended is they're so insecure, they're insecure of what they believe. You know, people think, well, I'm tough. I can handle it. A little alcohol, a little drugs, a little world's music, few cigs. I quit any time. Self-deceive. You know, Colossians 2.7 says, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein in thanksgiving. So rooted and built up in him. You know, people have this idea, well, I just, I'm a self-made man. I just pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I'd like to see that in action, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. How do you pull yourself up? No, the Bible says we're to be established in the faith, and faith is acting on the commands and promises of God. That's what it is. Proverbs 3.26 says, The Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. The Lord shall be thy confidence. Proverbs 14.26, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. You know, again, Daniel was a stable and confident young man. Not because he thought he knew it all. He understood it was not in himself, but in God. It was God that gave him stability and confidence. Look at Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one. Again. As Joshua is assuming the leadership of the nation of Israel, and the Lord speaks to him after the death of Moses. Verse 1 tells us that Moses is passed on. And in verse 5, the Lord says to Joshua, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. See, God's telling Joshua, look, you meditate day and night in my counsel. You seek my counsel day and night and there will not be any man be able to stand against you. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony to have? It can. 
It can be yours. See, God is telling Joshua everything and everyone that will that will oppose you, you know, with, with, with the world, the devil, and all hell it brings in your in your opposition will come to naught if you seek my counsel. Because he said, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. You see, it wasn't Joshua. It was the Lord working in Joshua's life. And as Joshua followed the will of God, God said, no man will stand against you. You know, 1 Peter 1 5. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that in the world. You see, we can resist him. Everything that hell throws against us, we can resist if we will walk with the Lord. There's stability in that. We can say, as the psalmist did, because I set the Lord at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I'll not be moved. See, really what Daniel was saying when he said it, when the Bible says that he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself, what Daniel was saying is, I'm not going to be moved from obeying God. You're not changing my mind. I've already decided. I've determined beforehand that when it comes to a choice of obeying God or obeying the king, I'm obeying God. I'm obeying God. He had already made, made up his, his decision. You, you and I every day didn't need to make up a decision. Today I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. If it's a choice between my employment and God, I'm going to serve God. If it's a choice between the government and God, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to obey God. There's stability. There's also satisfaction. Verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also so rests in hope. You know, it, wouldn't it be kind of nice if you could wake up in the morning and you've already have it decided who you're going to obey? You know, as, a, as, a, as a kid growing up, it was kind of nice that I didn't have to worry about what was going to happen that day. I didn't make the decisions for the day. You know what? I still don't have to. I just simply need to let God direct my life. Sort of like the old man with the car. The decision was not his. Although it was his. But he'd already determined that this, this car belonged to the Lord. I mean, I'm just a steward of it. By the way, that's what we were supposed to be, just stewards of what God's given us. 
you know, if we don't have to decide every day whether I'm going to obey God or whether I'm not going to obey God in this situation, it gives stability to life. It makes life easier. You know, children like it when you're consistent. When you're constantly changing the rules and they don't know where the boundaries are, they're irritated. Gladness. Happy. Rejoicing. There my heart is glad my glory rejoiceth. It is an enjoy the blessings God has given you because of the choices you have made to follow Him. And when you, have, when, you when years have passed and you can look back on life and consider the choices you have made, you can either rejoice or you regret. But right now, you're determining what that's going to be. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Two old men were sitting on a porch in rocking chairs, one bitter, complaining, unhappy, discontented. The other, cheerful, gracious, enjoying the singing of the birds. He said, what is your secret? He said, I'm, quote, I'm living on the interest of a well-invested youth, unquote. Well, we need to remember now. Remember your creator today. You will rejoice that you did. Third thing we see here is, as we think about the, the uh, condition of the royal path is sanctification. See sanctification also, verse 9 and 10. Therefore my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. We're talking about a life that is set apart or separated from sin and self to God. Now I know this is, this is partially a prophetic statement about the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ, but it is also, I believe, a statement about David himself. In the fact that David was set apart from death and hell because he was a saved man. You know, John 5.24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, yeah, Verily, verily, I... So let me let me look it up. John five twenty four. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, the I'm sorry. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. <laughs> so. So we're talking about a life that's set apart from sin. We're also talking about a life that continues to set apart itself from sin and is delivered from the corruption that is in the world. You know, 2 Peter 1.4 says, Whereby I given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature that's been giving a new nature, a new create, creature in Christ Jesus, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, sin is corrupting. It's like the old man sitting on the porch, complaining, discontent, with regret, with remorse, because of the corruption of his life. But we can escape that corruption and moral decay. Your world is full of moral decay. Doesn't mean we have to follow it. That's what a life of sins brings. The wages of sin is death. Sin is destructive, it's debilitating to the body. Peter says, by the grace of God and a new birth, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, the Christian life is a life of holiness, a life of sanctification. And if we need to be consistently seeking the Lord and drawing nigh to Him, putting off the old man and putting on the new. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, there's an account in verses 18 through 20, uh, during the ministry of Paul, where it says, Many believed, came, and confessed, and showed their deeds. And many of them also, which used curious arts, as witchcraft, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You see, these were some of the things that opposed the Apostle Paul and the gospel. <coughs> and the Bible tells us that this is at Ephesus, that they brought these things and burned them. This is a good example where the promise to Joshua is borne out. When God said to Joshua, no man be able to stand against thee all the days of thy life. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And here we find, in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, the works of darkness being burned. being brought to naught. The things that opposed the message of the Apostle Paul and the Gospel. The curious arts, the witchcraft, the sorcery. All these things were burned. What were people doing? They were setting themselves apart from the evils of the world. 1 Thessalonians 1.9 For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. See, there needs to be sanctification in the life of the believer. A setting apart from sin. Live a sanctified life in obedience to the word of God every day and you'll not regret it. And so we see Consideration of the world path, the condition of the world path. I want you to notice the conclusion. Verse 10 and 11 says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the paths of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Turn to Psalms chapter, or not, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. <clears throat> You know, when we seek the counsel of the Lord, 
God shows us the path of life. Proverbs 2, verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, if you come in here tonight, then I would have told you that I found out today, according to the records of this property, that, you know, some vigilante back in the 1800s buried a pot of gold just beyond these steps. What would you be seeking to do right after I told you? I'd be out there with you. I mean, we'd be, we'd be digging for that until we find it or exhaust ourselves to death. Right? That's what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. It's like hid treasure that someone will go and dig for until they find it. Like the, the lady that who uh, the parable Jesus gave of the lost coins, she searched the house until she found it. Searched it. I mean, she probably cleaned that house like it had never been cleaned in her life. Probably upended every piece of furniture, even, you know, checked it down the sides of the chairs. You know, I don't know what they had back then, but, you know, I mean, she searched the house. See, if thou wilt hide my commands with thee, you incline your ear. Lord, you're listening. You're intent. You really want to understand. You really want to know. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and findeth the knowledge of God. See, <clears throat> Proverbs 1 tells us that wisdom is easy to find if we want to find it. Staring is the key. We have to desire it. You know, thieves don't find policemen because they're not looking for them. You know, the astronauts went to the moon. Some of them said there's no God here. Well, they weren't looking for him. And if you want God in your life, if you want God to be, to direct your life, you have to seek him. Seek him with a pure heart, not like the rich young ruler, who is looking to satisfy his own interests. He had an agenda. See, many people hang on to a church or religion for their own intentions. 
to help themselves. Might be something that, you know, you know we, we, we are often accused that, that church or religion is a crutch. You know, there's a lot of people that use it for that. But don't go to hell with those. See, our intentions need to be genuine. See, Daniel's were genuine. Yeah, I know he was willing to die for him. He's willing to die for him. If you want to have fullness of joy that God promises, then set him at your right hand. Make him your aid. Make him your counselor. Make him your Lord. Because in that position, and by the way, he doesn't move. You have to move to him. He doesn't change. It's we who change. And so if you keep him at your right hand, there will be fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. You're in the midst of a turbulent and chaotic world. If the Lord is at your right hand, you can have the peace that passes all understanding. Just like a a storm on the high seas. I mean, it can be you know high waves on the surface, but underneath, you would never know there's a storm. It's always calm. So where is the Lord in your life? Is He your Lord? Do you know Him as Lord and Savior? Have you set Him at your right hand? Are you seeking His counsel? Obeying His commands? Maybe you need a purpose in your heart tonight that you're going to not defile yourself with the things of this world. But you're going to strive to make choices that please and honor the Lord. If you don't know Him as Lord and Savior, you need to repent of your sin, put your faith and trust in Him, and make Him the Lord, your Lord, your Lord and your Savior. Let's pray.